Hello and welcome to another episode of the Coastline Covenant Podcast. Super excited about this one. Rochelle, Michael, Sean, and myself have a nice long discussion about the Sabbath and rest. In the summertime, it's time to take vacations and kind of flesh out a theology of vacation. And we talk a lot and we, we borrow from scripture and a lot of places. And you might be listening to this episode and like, man, I wanna I wanna do more. So let's give you a couple of resources just right up front that I recommend fully. Uh, the first one would be a book by a guy named John Mark Comer. The book is called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, which I think is a really good book to help us understand not only the need for rest spiritually and psychologically, but kind of the demands that our culture puts on us. And speaking of that, another book that's great is called uh, Sabbath as Resistance by Walter Brueggemann. It's a really short book, but it really, really, really kind of nails all of the Sabbath stuff. And then um, I would recommend just kind of finding your favorite pastor and listening to their sermons on Sabbath. I'm sure they're going to have a lot of incredible wisdom about that. But those are the two books I would start with and then everything that they quote, you know, jump into. But this is a nice discussion, really, really rich, really, really, really deep. And I hope that you listen to it and then go take a vacation. So we hope you enjoy it and we will see you next week and every week after that. Welcome for another week of the Coastline Covenant podcast. Glad to have you. Very exciting news on our end. We are recording first and hopefully not the last episode we record in our brand new offices. Yeah, yeah. Listener, if you could see right now <laughs> this scene, <laughs> I am on it's a an, hot mess. I am on a microwave box. My my podcasting rig is Rochelle's on the floor. Sean's on Dodger seats. Michael's on an ottoman. We we are hodgepodge in this together. But you know where nobody is is in Garrick's office because we moved a fridge into Garrick's office, but we never took the food out of the fridge, Ooh. and it's rotten. Someone messed up. And the creamer, Garrick's thing <laughs> yeah. of vanilla creamer is rotten, and it's spilled everywhere. So, so we're not there. The idea is now that Garrick will hear this, and this is how he finds out about his <laughs> creamer. Aloha, Garrick. He yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, Garrick's on vacation, which is very apropos for what we're talking about today. But anyway, uh, we're, we're in the offices, and this is fun. I feel like Coastline keeps getting the next level like man okay we're doing this we're doing this and now we're in the offices and it's beautiful and we mm. want you all to come visit us here in our beautiful offices but this is another week where we're down a, a member garrick's on vacation last time we didn't have sean yeah. sean was injured yeah i felt bad because you told me that you wanted to film it but i was in so much pain i left yeah and then you guys recorded it and i wasn't there and yeah i, I wanted to be yeah you left out I, I did. I, it was my own fault. Yeah. So I didn't feel left out. I feel like felt like I was stupid. That was the most listened to episode. <laughs> I mean, it might be. I don't know. It might be. It might be. But it was uh, cute. It was so good. Sean, where were you last week? Last week I was on vacation. On vacation. That last one. Week. Yeah. What I were, was, where were you? So I was out in Parker, Arizona, at Melinda's family's uh, vacation water skiing for a week, and it was great. It was hot. It was 122 degrees, and uh, when you're in 122 degrees, you feel like someone's punishing you. <laughs> Um, it just is, it's brutal. It makes you feel sick, but we had a blast. Water skied a lot, played a lot. It was a good time. Now we were talking at lunch and Michael maybe had asked you how long has this trip been going on? Yeah. I, I don't know the exact number, but I think Melinda's family's, it, it's probably around 50 years, I think. Cause it's, oh. it's since Melinda's mom was, was a child. Dedication. So it's been a, a, a long time. 50 years of breathing in fire every summer. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? yeah. Michael Rochelle, do you guys have any, uh, traditional vacation like vacations you do over and over and over um i had well a couple weeks ago 
the first 11 years of my life, we always went on a fishing trip over Mother's Day weekend. Killer. Because um, moms love to fish. Moms love to fish. No, I actually found out that the moms like to stay back and read their magazines and not have <laughs> to deal with the children. That's why we yeah. did it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then now my mom and stepdad um, have a lake house in uh, near Spokane, Washington. So that has been the trip over the last like five or six years. That Love sounds it. rad. That sounds great. A oh, lake yeah. house. Can't I'm, beat I'm it. I'm about to be there for a long time. What magazines are you bringing? I'm not. <laughs> Audible. Audible magazine. Not even one Us magazine? No. Wow. <laughs> no. I appreciate that. I couldn't do it. I appreciate that you can go on vacation Sean's, and not take Sean's an Sean's got to have his Us weekly. Yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> I'm shocked. Yeah, got to keep up with the hot goss, you know? I don't <laughs> <Hot> <laughs> totally, <laughs> totally, totally, yeah. Michael, any... Any repeats in the life? Uh, you know, as a kid, we would do Yosemite mm. twice a year. Um, we'd, we'd get it in the winter and the summer. It was really, really fun. Um, but, um, you know, and other than, like, you know, being in ministry, like doing camp every, every oh year. Oh, my gosh, yeah. That's not a vacation, <laughs> I actually, yeah, For you, it's definitely not a vacation. Not a vacation. But, no, I actually, Caitlin and I, I, I feel like our marriage has been, like, uh, nine years of just going somewhere different every single time. Caitlin's like a pro, a pro. If you guys ever want someone to help you plan a vacation, mm -hmm. Caitlin is a pro at that. She's so good at just like looking for good fun things to do and finding like spots that I would think wouldn't be fun at all and they end up being like a blast. So um, props to my wife. But we just, yeah, we don't really have traditions on our vacations yet. It's yeah. just going to the same spots. Mm -hmm. So that's cool. It's like a or different spots. Yeah. Sorry. The tradition is improv. It's like, Oh, where are we going to go? It's changing up a little bit. Yeah. I love that. I think that's cool. And the reason I ask is because there's a, uh, you know, it's summer and I, I, I love summer and I, I kind of love everything summer stands for the freedom and the fun and long days and, you know, cool nights or whatever. But there's also this like rhythm built into summer of vacation. And so it's interesting to hear Rochelle and Sean say that you guys do similar or not the same vacations every single year. So like you have this rhythm of vacation, this rhythm of rest. And that's something I wanted to talk about today on the podcast, because um, I'm sure our coastline people are planning vacations and stuff. And I don't think anybody's out there saying, I wonder if someone could talk about the spiritual dimensions of a vacation. Mm -hmm. But I do think it's worth talking about. I do think it's worth talking about because I'm going to say something controversial. I just don't think we spiritually care about vacations enough. Mm. That's true. I think we don't care about vacations enough for our faith and for, you know, our walk with Christ. And so what I want to do today is talk to, you know, three of the smartest people I, I work with. And um, <laughs> I work with four of them. And I wanted to just discuss, you know, this idea of resting and this idea of rhythms of rest and Sabbath. And I know we, we have a lot to say and stuff like that. So I'll just kind of open up like this. What is the Sabbath or what, what is rest or what is kind of this biblical mandate of rest? Because you open the Bible and you find that God is not a God who's concerned with our output as people. Even in the beginning of the story of the Bible, God rests and he commands us to do the same. So Flesh that out for our listeners. Maybe someone's hearing this for the first time and they've heard the word Sabbath or they've talked, you know, to someone about rest, but they, they'd like a little bit more uh, theological backbone, theological teaching of it. So, so what is it? What is rest? Yeah, well, I think you set the stage for it, right? That it is, um, it's a teaching that comes out of the early books of Genesis where God creates the world and on the seventh day he rests. 
it, what's interesting about it is that when he rests, it is given to us as an instruction of something that we are to do. We are to replicate God in his rest as we rest from our own work. And, and one of the things that's fascinating is that it says that the Sabbath is, is holy. Yeah. There's not a lot of things in, in Scripture that are described as holy. I mean, the earth isn't holy. Um, my natural heart isn't holy. Jesus is holy, but the Sabbath is holy. It is something uniquely given by God for us that is meant to kind of reorient our lives around Him and to help us continually disconnect ourselves from maybe the idols of, of work and possessions mm-hmm. that come with being addicted to work. Yeah, and so I, I read a theologian who said kind of what you were saying, like the whole holiness of the Sabbath meant it was like central to the life of, of a Jew. And you, right before we started, Sean, you mm-hmm. said it's hard to understand the Sabbath if you haven't experienced it in Israel. So, <laughs> Which is such a pretentious, <laughs> awful thing. I kind of just wanted to call you out first. Yeah, right. And then, For, secondly, so terrible. Well, no, this is actually in my notes of like wanting to, because I know you spent time yeah. and, and you have a unique experience. So explain mm-hmm. how maybe the culture that you experienced it in, in Israel is different than the American kind of idea about the Sabbath. Yeah, well, I think when we when we talk about an American version of Sabbath, I don't <clears throat> think we really even know what that means anymore. I think we've completely mm-hmm. lost it. Maybe in the Bible Belt or something like that, they still have this kind of idea of a Sabbath, or Chick-fil-A being closed is the closest thing that we know to <laughs> Sabbath rest, honestly. Like, I don't know if we can find an example of Sabbath outside of that that impacts our everyday life. Mm. It is an antiquated 1950s sort of idea of Sabbath rest. We just don't practice it at all anymore. Uh, But in Israel, um, it has largely um, organized their entire life, their entire world. And it still does, you know, there's parts of Israel that are more secular, but even today, um, in Israel on the Sabbath, everything comes to rest. Everything stops. The way I experienced it, I was in, uh, by the Sea of Galilee, and I was there at a, what's called a kibbutz, um, which is kind of like a communal village. And they let us know the night before. They said, once the sun goes down, the kitchens are closed. There's going to be no food. Tomorrow, if you want to come in, there's going to be things that don't need to be cooked. There'll be like a Danish or maybe there'll be a banana or something like this. But all day long, it'll be something simple. And then in the evening, there'll be smoked fish or um, some small pieces of, of meat or something like that that you can eat. But no one was going to cook or prepare food for you that day. Yeah. Um, there would be no programming. It was just going to be about rest. And so for us, we slept in late that day. Um, I went for a swim in the Sea of Galilee. That evening at like 3 o'clock, we um, brought out these kind of the meat, and we brought out glasses of wine, and we brought out the fish, and we sat there and we talked all night long. No one was on a phone. And we sat there and watched the sunset together and talked about the Lord and talked about what God was doing, and everything slowed down. No one was prepping a big meal. No one was hosting a big event. The Sabbath was all about sleeping, resting, family, conversation, talking, and it was beautiful. And I just realized I've never experienced anything like that in my life before. Um, But after having done it once, I desperately wanted to do it again because I found that it brought something into my life of rest Mm. that would not exist otherwise. Do you guys practice the Sabbath? Yes. Tell me about it. <clears throat> What's it like? Um, I've gone through seasons of being better at it than others. Uh, I think when I entered into ministry, I found myself the first probably six months not practicing at all and being really burned out. Uh, this was back when I was in Washington, but 
you're salaried mm-hmm. and you just work every day. And it's really easy to, to do that without um, creating some boundaries or barriers <laughs> into that. And so um, I got I got pretty burnt out really fast. And so um, one of the things that I had some spiritual mentors in my life who kind of pushed it in me of you need you need to find a day so pick a day so um, I picked Fridays and Fridays have primarily been my Sabbath day for probably what, eight years now um, and so it worked out because uh, I love just being with people and so I can fill my entire life schedule with hanging out with people, doing ministry, constantly being around people. And so the thing that I have to fight against is uh, not filling up too much to where I don't have time with the Lord and, and some solitude. And so for me, Sabbath has looked a lot more like solitude. Hmm. Um and so it's kind of that one day. And luckily, a lot of people work on Fridays. So it's <laughs> not like um, I have that. So usually on Friday for me is find a coffee shop. Obviously, COVID kind of put a damper on that for a little bit. But uh, finding a coffee shop or going on a long walk or mm-hmm. doing something um, outside and just reading reading my Bible and, and kind of just slowly. I like to sleep in, too. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. a thing. But... Um, yeah, it's been really – now it feels just, like, normal. Yeah. It's a rhythm. That's good. So um, – but I've been trying to get back into it, especially now that we're here at Coastline. Um, that was one of the things I sat down with my team and was like, you can call me any day or night. Just please don't call me on Fridays if you can good. help it. That's good. Um, and that, I think, for me has been good, trying to set those boundaries ahead of time because it's really easy once you start making little exceptions for things to eat back into yeah. that time. So mm. – but yeah, so, that's kind of what that looks like for me. That's great. And I think people really like hearing that. And, I, and I'm and i fascinated that, that those are opposite pictures of the Sabbath mm. from Sean and Rochelle. Mm-hmm. Um, Sean was filled with people talking, conversation, and Rochelle's like, don't talk to me on Friday. <laughs> 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 so I guess my next question is, and maybe we can flesh this out, someone listening, hearing that and saying, okay, which one's right? Or what? which one's really rest? Interesting. Is rest solitude? Is rest tons of people? And then I, I, I know with students, you say do a Sabbath and like sweet Netflix all day. Yeah. You know, sweet. That's I can do whatever I want, <laughs> you know? So, so I guess what makes it rest? Mm. That's a really good question, Hunter. Yeah. Um, I don't have a, a direct answer for you, <laughs> but I, I guess I'll speak to kind of my proclivity. Yeah. So I'm, I'm also like you, Rochelle, where, uh, I'm I'm, a, I'm extroverted, so being around people energizes me, and so a lot of you know a lot of my my work um, is communal. But there's also a big portion of my work that's like I'm sitting in my office grinding out what the weekend's going to look like, and there's good portions of it that where I'm alone by myself, kind of working by myself, that's draining for me. But when I'm around people, it's super life giving, mm-hmm. especially if we can talk about things that are meaningful and not just. Hmm shoot the breeze. Um, so for me, my, my Sabbath kind of work life balance is that, uh, Saturdays are, are with my family the whole day long. Um, you know, I, I spend it with them all day and then, um, focus on them. And then Monday nights, every single Monday night, I go and play board, board games with, um, 
a group of Christian dudes who all love Jesus and we play a game or two and then we sit for about two or maybe even three hours. They smoke cigars. I don't because I'm afraid of ruining my voice. <laughs> but Which is like a very good practical concern for you. Yeah, I mean, it's practical, right? And also you're not like a 65-year-old dude on a golf course. I know. Like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. True. But uh, they'll smoke cigars and I'll eat candy. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> We all have our vices. I know. I know. We all have our vices. And this is true. And then we'll, we'll talk about life. And often, I mean, almost every time, it comes back down to the Lord. It comes back down mm-hmm. to what it, what it means to be a Christian man, what it means to, to love your family well, what it means to Sabbath well, what it means to, to work well. And so for me, it's, it's this kind of what you were talking about, Sean, this beautiful conversation that happens with friends. And um, so what makes it rest? I mean, I would argue that true rest doesn't come from anything but the Lord. And so what makes it rest is that it's time with God or time infused with God. Mm-hmm. You almost have to kind of reverse engineer it and say, it's not about what I do to rest. It's what I get out of rest that makes it rest. Mm. That That's kind of the through line here of like talking or solitude and stuff. And, you know, I want to go back to the Netflix thing because I think that's <laughs> something that we, 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 Definitely, you know, we all have the proclivity to just veg out, watch TV or whatever. How can technology help us rest in 2021? How can technology help us stop? Because I, I think we still need to define kind of what it is to Sabbath, but I think we're, we're, we're getting there. But like, let's, let's ask the question of technology. Do you have I a think, thought? Yeah, yeah, I do. I think for me, like, if I am mind numbing, then yes. it's not rest. Okay. That's not pure rest. That's a check a fabricated illusion of rest. Hmm. Um, That's really good. good. And, but things like podcasts or audio books or like things like that, uh, reading, uh, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of audible. So I found recently that I actually like to listen and hear. So for me, like technology or music, worship music, having that, like those are the ways that for me engaging in, uh, technology or going out and taking pictures of nature or something, right? Where I'm like on a on a prayer walk with the Lord, mm-hmm. um, and but s- social media and Netflix or TV that usually tends to be not not good unless I'm with community and with like other people and it's kind of a mm-hmm. we're doing it together type thing. But that's me. I think one of the key parts of Sabbath is slowness. Yeah. Um, and I think, at least for me, technology just causes me to speed up. Right. Click, click, scroll, scroll, open the next app, open the next app, and next song. And being in technology is my default. Hmm. I'm always in technology. Hmm. And so Sabbath for me needs to be a stepping away from that. Uh, so I'm sure there are ways that it can serve that. I think we would probably be better served, though, trying to live out the Sabbath with less technology instead mm-hmm. of trying to incorporate it. Because I just think, I mean, just go to your iPhones and check up how, check out how many times you pick it up a day or what your total consumption it's is. It's terrifying. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's so, very concerning. So <laughs> I think a, a, a great thing on your Sabbath would be to put your phone away. Hmm. Um, don't carry it with you. Check it three times a day in case someone needs to get in touch with you. But otherwise, 
it is a focus on being present where you're at mm-hmm. with the people you're Sweet. at, with yourself, with the Lord. Um, that is a, a good Sabbath. So Sabbath as a practice of presence. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I mean, I think partly our iPhones allow us to not be present. Yeah. Right? Like I, I mean, you could look around my own house and see every one of us has a screen. We're in the same room, but we're not with each right. other. Right. Mm-hmm. Even when I'm out with friends, I'm checking my phone. I'm taking, I mean, you, we had coffee today with the team and I was taking phone calls the whole time. <laughs> you know, it's, it's hard for us to be present. And so getting away from technology allows us to be present and present again with ourselves, with the Lord and with each other. Well, and I think, and Hunter, I'm sure you can super relate with this too, but, um, and, and you know, I mean, all three of you can, but, but some of the, the most profound moments in ministry for me have been at camps, at retreats. Yes. When you, when you get people away from, I mean, technology at large, sure, like TVs and, and phones, all those things, but, but even just out to a place in nature where they can see beauty and where they're, they're in the, the present right now with the things that God created, mm-hmm. um, with the people that God created often too. And there's no distractions other than just the realness of life. Right. That is what right. you're focused on. And, and why do we think profound spiritual moments happen on the mountaintop when yep. we're with, uh, with these retreats? It's because we've taken all those distractions away. I mean, it's, we all know it, but, but it's almost like we forget it the moment we get down the, <laughs> the mountain, you know? Yeah. That's, that's a great point of, of retreat and how retreat was kind of, you know, in Christ's life. And he, he took time to escape you know, the, the demands of ministry, both in the desert and, and as he did ministry. I think, I think that's a good point. I, I want to go back to the idea of presence, though, because Sean, in his sermon this past Sunday, had talked about, you know, sometimes we don't like to sit with Scripture because it's kind of confronting. Mm-hmm. Do we think we don't want to rest because sometimes just being present is confronting? Yes. I think um, I, I tend to be go, 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 go. And then as soon as I stop, all the things that I had been s- pushing aside or being like, okay, Lord, like, yeah, I'm convicted about that, but I got like 10 things I need to get done today. So we're, we'll process that later. Right. That emotion, that feeling, that experience, whatever it is. Um, and part of the Sabbath is setting all of the, the things that you have to get done or the things that you kind of run to, setting those things aside, putting them on you. And that does, it gives the Lord is like, okay, now I have your divine, your undivided attention. Let's talk about these things. Um, and if you don't do it very much, that feels very overwhelming. But if it becomes a rhythm of your life where you're, you're setting aside that time, you're not processing six months worth of things mm. or once a year when you go on vacation, you're processing one week's worth of stuff That's really and not, good. you know, so it, it, it becomes over time something that you long for, even if it's maybe uncomfortable. Yeah. Scary. I mean, yeah, there's an, I, there's an element that I hear and I'm scared of that. Yeah. I'm scared of the six months that I haven't checked in in. Like, like it's been so long. Yeah. Totally, yeah. totally. That's interesting. And that might be why we avoid Sabbath, because work is a great distraction from who we really are. Yeah, and our own greed. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. Just oh, part yeah. of it is we, we, we are addicted to productivity. Um, there's things that we could be doing that help us get ahead or be secure. I feel like we're making the most of our time, and, and Sabbath forces us into a place of um, 
trusting God with what we have, trusting for Him to provide, um, and stepping back from the constant accumulation of more, of more, of more, and simply of present. I think the question of responsibility comes into my mind because I think a lot of us, when we get home at the end of our day, we've had a long day, Mm -hmm. and the first thing we do is pop on Hulu, Netflix, Peacock, whatever it's going to (laughs) be, Disney Plus, whatever. I think for many of us, what we're trying to do is escape responsibility. We're trying to have a moment where we're not feeling the weight of the responsibilities of our lives, where we're not having to constantly be, be replaying over and over what are the responsibilities that I need to get done. And, and so I, I think, A, Sean, when you talk about almost the idea that the Lord is in control and that in Sabbath you have to almost release that responsibility to the Lord who is in control, that feels important. Um, and B, how many people actually sit at, down at the end of the day watch Netflix, and then at the end actually feel like there's their responsibility has heightened because they've spent two hours watching TV rather than doing whatever they were supposed to be doing. So the actual like result of Netflix isn't that your responsibility gets lightened or, or lifted, but actually that your responsibility gets heavier, mm-hmm. um, which to me I think is so interesting how um, kind of that being present isn't, isn't escaping your responsibility. When you talk about being present, Hunter, I don't think it's escaping your responsibility. It's confronting your responsibility and then recognizing that the Lord is the one who actually carries your responsibility. Yeah, it's it's being able to faithfully answer, or I guess, you know, honestly answer the question, what am I responsible for? Mm. And is the answer nothing? Wow. Right? Like, isn't that what Sabbath is? And and that's I think that's scary because we're control freaks, productivity freaks, control freaks. And when we're confronted with the fact we're actually responsible for nothing and we control nothing and the Sabbath is just us living into that, that, I mean, no wonder we, we wish there was an eighth day of the week that we could do more work during, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's, I mean, when you have Israel and Egypt, right? Right. It's more bricks, less straw. There are slaves. They're working every single day. And the first thing that God does when he brings them out of Egypt is they then begin to live into the Sabbath, and there's manna from heaven. He's right. going to be the provider. He's going to be the one who feeds them, and they can't gather manna for the Sabbath. They have to gather it yeah. the day before. They have to be dependent upon him. And Jesus goes back to that when he says, how shall you pray? He says, you pray, give us today our daily bread. Right. God, would you be manna again for us today? Would you right. again be our provider? Yeah. And I think our default is still always back, back to Egypt, back to more work, back to ourselves as provider because we just, we trust ourselves more than we trust God. It's so good. And I love that verse in Exodus five. Uh, It's the King of Egypt said, Moses and Aaron, why are you taking the people away from their labor? Get back to your work. Then Pharaoh said, look, the people of the land are now numerous and you are stopping them from working. That same day, Pharaoh gave this order to the slave drivers and overseers in charge of the people. You are no longer to supply the people with straw for making bricks. Let them go and gather their own straw. So do more work but require them to make the same number of bricks as before. Don't reduce the quota. They are lazy. That is why they are crying out. Let us go and sacrifice to our God. Make the work harder for people so that they keep working and pay no attention to lies. And I know that's an exodus, but I feel like that could be transported onto contemporary American work wow. culture. Yeah. Super profound. Yeah, just look at how much vacation you have, right? Yeah. So like when yeah. we were at Rolling Hills Covenant, we were carrying millions of dollars of vacation liability because people wouldn't take their vacation. Everybody was capped out. Right. Um, And we just don't use that time because we're hesitant. Now I think COVID is changing some things. I think everybody wants to go on vacation this summer because they went (laughs) nowhere last year. But 
I'm curious if in a year or two we'll be back to the same old patterns yeah. of just grinding it out, taking a day off here, a day off yeah. there, but never really resting because we're more comfortable working than we are at rest. What's yeah. interesting to me about that, Sean, is that I would argue that that there's something that drives us towards that work. There's a command, maybe the, what you were just talking about, Hunter, kind of that mantra that American culture lives into right. of you must work, you must be productive, you must go and conquer um, and, get, mm. and make everything better. Just keep making everything better. Um, which, which uh, you know, anyway, I think what's interesting to me is, is what does God actually say about rest, though? Because he says a lot of things about work. Sure, we, we, we see that. And I mean, even in the same passage where it talks about uh, in Exodus 20, where it talks about Sabbath, it says uh, right, right after that, it says that we would, that we would go and work. And so you, you, it, it's, it's kind of like the Lord commands us to work. Right. You get that. Last week we talked about calling, living into your yeah, calling. Yeah. Clearly the Lord's called us to work, but I feel like there's just as much of a command for us to rest mm-hmm. and we miss mm, that. That's we good. miss that command. Yeah. How often do you hear people say, well, work is, work is a result of the fall. And it's I, like, I don't think so. Read Genesis too. Anyway. Yeah. Right. And I, well, and I think when we're talking about Sabbath, like the Sabbath doesn't have to be this really intense emotional burden that it has to be this <laughs> emotional work day. Mm-hmm. That's not what Sabbath is. It's not this, okay, I have been doing all of this other stuff and now I have to sit down and actually right like do emotional work. It it can be an adventure. It can be a, I don't know what today's going to bring, but God's going to d- direct my day and we'll just see where it goes, you know? Yeah. And, and so I think sometimes we, even in, when people start to Sabbath and try to practice that, it's like, okay, I got to plan out. I'm going to do this and then I'm going to do this. And, mm-hmm. uh, and it doesn't necessarily have to be that structured either, you know? Mm. So, and you, that, that's like the second time you've said that you, you also before said something about, you know, if you don't, if you have a Sabbath all the time, then, you know, you don't have to have those big, like six months, six months, like huge yeah. moments. And that's what I found with students a lot. Um, you do a camp in the winter, you do a camp in the summer and it's the first time since the previous camp wow. that students have unplugged yeah. and rested and taken time away from the productivity of school and family and sports and whatever. And so Man, the amount of crises we had mm-hmm. at camps just started exponentially growing as technology and as the demands of being a high school student start to get bigger. Yeah. And it's the same thing for us. We just have different ways of handling them and we have different ways of them coming out. It's, that's that's yeah. really interesting. Yeah, like it, it, there's, it's no surprise that as we rest less and as we... Um, get more and more addicted to technology that we naturally find our anxiety increasing. Right. right. Uh, and, it, you know, it's like, I think m- most people now are struggling with some form of anxiety. Mm-hmm. It's not like the rare cases now. Like everybody ha- seems to have this low level of anxiety because we work, work, work. We never come down. We distract ourselves with technology and we just, we, we truly don't Sabbath. And, and you can see the smoke coming out hmm. from, underneath the hoods of our lives that we're, mm. we're not doing this well. Well, my question is for us, I don't know. We haven't answered this question yet, but uh, what does as a community, as a, as a church body, what does Sabbathing communally look like even like how, how do we do that together? Um, 
yeah. That's that's my thought. That's well, my next question. Is how, how do we do that? I'm thinking about Fourth of July for us, and I'm thinking about how, you know, for many churches, uh, the Fourth of July is on a Sunday. You're going to go to every service. Everyone's going to be fully present at everything and asked to be a part of the entire day the way that it would normally be. And for us, we looked at that and said, well, what could it look like for us to have one service that we invite everyone to and then have a big party afterwards <laughs> that everyone can come be a part of together? Right. And we do we do Fourth of July together as a community. And, and there will be a little bit less pressure that day for everyone to make church happen twice <laughs> in a row. Um, and so I think that's part of, I think there's an intentional Sabbath thing that we're trying to do on that day where, hey, you don't have to go to all of your parties and to, to church too. <laughs> um, and, and then even for us, like we're able to be present with our community and be present with our family. Um, so I think we are starting to practice that practically as a church, mm-hmm. not to mention that Garrick's in Hawaii right now. And I think, too, one of the things that's on my mind the most, after we did the very first week of Coastline, I said, like, my biggest concern is, is this survivable? Right. For us, because it took us, it took so much out of us to do the first week, and also our launch team, and the people we're serving gave so much. Mm-hmm. And my biggest fear is that in serving the church, you would lose your Sabbath, right? Mm-hmm. And I worry that... Um, that people are wanting to do something heroic and big for God, and they're willing to give all of themselves and all of their Sabbath and service to the church. Um, and that's not what I want for them. Mm. And I think we don't need you to be necessarily heroic in that day. We need, in fact, you to share your load with others mm. and for you to allow other people to serve alongside of you, for you to do less so everybody could do more, so that we can all serve, but nobody suffer. So we can right. all Sabbath and serve at the same time. So when I think about how we do this as a community, we have to, um, when the ways that we serve at Coastline, to make it be something that comes alongside of our Sabbath instead of destroying our Sabbath. That's a good point. Yeah. So that's a great question, Rochelle, and I didn't even think about that, so thank you. <clears throat> but let's let's end here. Let's end on an individual level. Um, one, one thing you could tell someone listening about their own Sabbath, What one thing you would kind of encourage them in or one thing you'd, you'd have them consider uh, as they hear this and maybe think they haven't had a Sabbath in a long time, or they haven't rested in a long time, or they haven't taken a break in a long time. What's one thing you'd want them to know, maybe even a practical step? Sean said, put your phone away, check it three times. I think that's really good advice. Turn off Netflix. When you get home from a long day, you know, assess, don't, you know, decompress with Netflix. But what, what are some other things? Maybe one thing from each of us that we could give. Well, I would just, I was, I'll point this out, even though I just talked. I think we create our own shackles on Sabbath, meaning that your work isn't expecting you to really work on a Sunday, but you work nonetheless. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if, if cooking a meal for your family on Sunday kills your Sabbath, don't do it. Find another way to, of providing for your family. You don't have to do that. If youth sports is, is taking away your Sunday, you don't have to do that. Um, you know, we have a perception of what we have to do, but most of that is made up by ourselves. We mm-hmm. create it. So what is the thing that makes the, ch- the Sabbath the most of a chal- the biggest challenge to you? And then really ask the question if you need to do that, because chances are you don't. You you've just have somehow convinced yourself of that. Um, that's the thought. You are your own Pharaoh. Dude, there you go. Hunter, look at <laughs> See, you do stuff like this. <laughs> You take these thoughts that I have and you just turn it into something brilliant. Way to go. Yeah. <laughs> you need me? <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> we 
we, we really <laughs> I'm do. I'm just kidding. We really I'm do. just kidding. No, I think that's I think that's super wise. So is that what you just said? You no, think that's I think really wise? I think what you said is super wise. <laughs> we create our own shackles. I think that's that's absolutely true. I'm I'm like, <laughs> it's so funny. I'm doing this one theology of vacation or whatever, and so much more for me than anybody. <laughs> As I look out on my summer, yeah. and I'm like, okay, I need to rest more. I want to talk to some Same. smart people about that <laughs> for a bit. Um, so for me, I, I think one thing that we we don't think about in Sabbath is community. We think of, we think about Sabbath as this kind of transactional. I'm getting rest or I am working. It's one or the other. That's when we think about Sabbath. It's this very kind of me centered, me focused thing. But I, I actually think Sabbath is a time to be in community, and here's why I think that. Uh, if you're in Exodus 20, once again, <laughs> in the, the Ten Commandments. First of the day. And and you've got, you get to the end here, right? It says, remember the Sabbath day, keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a day of Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you. Here's the big part. Nor your son or daughter, nor male or female or servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. Everybody. And that to me is interesting, this idea of not any foreigner residing in your towns, because what, what does that mean? That means you're not putting these people to work. And when they are, you're communally coming alongside them and helping them understand that they're, they're stepping outside of the Lord's desire. So to me, there's, there's a part of this that feels like, I think one thing that you can do is when you see your family members working on the Sabbath, gently, lovingly, remind them that that they need rest and that, the, and that it's not just something that, that um, you want for them, but it's something the Lord wants for them. Um, it, it's a communal thing. Step into, step into that spiritual kind of accountability with your brothers and sisters towards rest. That'll preach. Yeah. That was good. Um, the thing that I just keep coming back to is um, I, yeah, probably six or seven years ago, had this moment where, um, again, like I said, I was burned out, just going so hard. And um, I was doing all this stuff in the name of Jesus. And I just felt like the Lord was like, you're doing all, all of this in my name, but it's going to be in vain if you don't spend time with me. Mm-hmm. Like if, if you don't have a relationship with me and a closeness and an intimacy with me, it doesn't matter how hard you work in my name. Cause I'm not going to be in your work in what you're doing. Mm. Um, and so, and that just hit so hard with me. So I think, yeah, we do, we do lots of stuff and we do things. Um, even thinking that we're doing it for the Lord. Um, when sometimes all he, all he really wants us to do is just spend time with him. Mm. So. Wow. A lot of wisdom in this circle. Thanks, guys, for jumping in and chatting. Uh, it's a good time. Really appreciate your guys' wisdom here. I just think that there needs to be a part two where we talk more. I think more it, practical, things, more yeah. kind of, this is a good primer, but I think there needs to be more. We'll have Garrick here for that one. And he could talk to us about drinking out of a coconut with like a, like a <laughs> umbrella, <laughs> umbrella in the top. And he could talk to us about what <laughs> well, like, we'll I'll, I'll tell like. you rest, baby. And, we'll you know, he's doing a good job. I've been trying to text him all day about work, and he won't respond. He won't respond. So, Garrick, way to go. Why are you texting him? Because I got to talk to him about changing his preaching date. 
Okay. Okay. Well, so yeah. that he can well, pray while he's in part two. We will tell you guys about how it went when we cleaned out his uh, fridge. <laughs> That's very funny. <laughs> There's Venture nothing awake. restful about that. That is definitely more <laughs> bricks, less straw. Yeah. Okay. Maybe the fridge is our pharaoh. <laughs> oh no. Oh. Gonna be There's frozen burritos in there too. The no. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that yeah. sounds not good. frozen now. No, no, no. <laughs> not, oh. not frozen for about a month. <laughs> that may be <laughs> about a month. It's been in there. No. Okay, listener. Well, you can imagine what our day looks like now. Hope you <laughs> hope you enjoy this, and I hope you get some rest. After Shabbat shalom. This. Adios.